Praise the Lord, everyone, and good morning. God is so good. It's so great to be back at Southwestern. Um, I love our seminary, and I am so grateful um, for the privilege, um, Dr. Dockery, to be here um, and to this great faculty and staff and student body. It's just an honor um, to be here. God is so good. Um, I'm going to start my clock here because I'm nearsighted. Y'all know what that means. I, I, I can't focus on that clock back there, so I may preach an hour if y'all give me an amen or so. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and start my clock here. The Lord is so good. Um, in 1992, I had accepted the call to pastor in the Dallas Metroplex. I had pastored five years in Brownwood, Texas, at the Mount Zion Baptist Church. And in those five years, I probably had one significant conflict, just one. It was at a business meeting, and one of the brothers um, stood and, and had some words with me, and I had some pastoral words with him. And after the meeting, we just hugged and prayed together, and that was it. And so for five years, really, at the Mount Zion Baptist Church in Brownwood, Texas, uh, it was relatively smooth. In 1992, when I came um, to the Metroplex to pastor, um, I was always told, and I had experienced, that every pastor will have a honeymoon at least, right? At least for a week or two. Well, I didn't have a honeymoon. Um, in fact, for the first year and a half, it was absolutely um, bad. The first few months were very bad. In fact, I remember specifically in the summer of 92, I lay prostrate on the um, floor in my home, devastated depressed, begging the Lord to remove me from the place that he had called me to. I had challenges from pockets of the membership. We had challenges internally in the church. We had, as one author puts it well-intentioned dragons that really came after me. I was just a young buck, just trying to shepherd. And I begged the Lord to remove me. I thought I made a mistake. I said, Lord, this can't be. It cannot be. Your will. I stepped out of your will and came to the Dallas Metroplex. There's no way on earth that I could be met with all of these challenges and all of these struggles in a short period of time. I must be out of your will. And as I lay there praying, I got a phone call from someone who um, was a very dear um, friend to the church, and that person encouraged me. And 
nearly 30 years later, I was at the same church. I said that to say that we cannot escape challenges in ministry, but be encouraged because the presence and the power of God are with us during the challenges. Ministry is a blessing. But I want you to know, and I know that many of you already know this, is that it is not guaranteed that ministry and service in ministry will be, uh, you know, a, a, a playground. It won't be all smooth. It won't go um, well all the time because it's ministry. We have challenges in ministry. And the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when he's outlining, describing his ministry, he says something here that we're very familiar with. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And he says in verse 10, always caring about in the body, the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. I want to just talk to us this morning um, from the topic, encouragement during challenging times or encouragement for challenging times. I like what Paul does in 2 Corinthians. He, if we pan out a little bit and, and catch the context there, he talks about his ministry. And in the first six verses, he is talking about the authenticity and the sincerity of his ministry, in particular when it comes to preaching the gospel. He mentions those who are blind by, blinded by Satan and, and cannot see the, the, the blessings of the gospel. He mentions that in verses 3 and 4. And then he focuses on um, letting us know that, hey, it's not about me, it's about Christ. The focus is not on himself, but on Christ and Christ's gospel. Verse 7 through 9, where we are parked for just a moment, he gives us insight um, into some challenges that he has in ministry, but he also gives us some inspiration to continue in ministry. And ministry is all about, in a nutshell, um, um, having some inspiration to continue and having insight into the ups and the downs that will occur within ministry. I've had the blessing of my life, the, 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 the greatest privilege of pastoring God's wonderful people for 35 years and all. And I'm still learning. And I'm still growing. And serving at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention is just a great joy. And I'm, I'm, I'm connecting with people and interfacing with folks 
um, different individuals from many backgrounds and many cultures, which I love. And I can tell you that ministry is challenging. People are having major challenges in ministry. But these words that Paul gives us are absolutely encouraging. He finishes there in verse 6 talking about the, the, for God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And then he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power of God will be of God and not from ourselves. When I look at these verses here, and one thing that has encouraged me over the years is, is when we dive into the text, there are a few words that stick out and they really bless me. And in verse 7 there, um, I, I focus on that the power will be of God and not from ourselves. So this and not statement is the first thing I want to just kind of um, um, give you and park there. And not of ourselves. He's talking about the treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure of the gospel, the treasure, the, the message of the gospel. One author says that, that we are the containers, but we have to convey the gospel. The Bible says that we have this, this treasure in, in earthen vessels. Isn't it a blessing to know that we are really nothing without Christ, and yet he has deposited, if you will, the, the, the treasure within us, and as we have this deposit, we need to disseminate it. We need to proclaim it. We need to let folks know the glorious news of the gospel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing grace of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. That is so encouraging for challenging times. First, it's a statement of humility as well. Paul recognized and realized that it's not really himself. I believe it was Dr. Dockery who said that this ministry was, was received, not achieved. <laughs> it was something that, that he was blessed with, and he knew that this, this surpassing greatness of the power would be of God and not from ourselves, not from ourselves. So as you journey through ministry, as you preach and share the gospel, as, as you do ministry among um, countless amounts of individuals, remember that the power is not from ourselves. Paul had it right. He wasn't anthropocentric. He was theocentric. He, he knew that God was the one. The power lied within God and not within himself. He didn't have to rely on himself for struggles. He, 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 he didn't have to rely on his resiliency, but on the omnipotence of God. And the treasure is a blessing, and it's within these earthen vessels. We're nothing without Christ. And I was just a kid <laughs> growing up in Buffalo, New York. I share this every time I preach just about growing up in Buffalo, New York. Wasn't raised in church. 
grew up most of my life playing basketball on the basketball court, on the concrete. That's why my knees are bad now. And the Lord blessed me to get a full-ride scholarship to Angelo State University, and it was there at Angelo State University where, where, where I gave my life to Christ. I thought I was losing my mind, faculty, when the Lord called me to preach a year later because I did not have an ecclesiastical background. I didn't have a, a church background. I gave my life to Christ, and the Lord called me to preach one year later. And I asked him over and over and over again, are you sure? You know, I, I have no background. I, have, I wasn't raised in church. I went to church maybe about a year or so with some friends, across the street, and I went to church to play. But the Lord saw fit to deposit in me the treasure to spread the word of God, to preach the gospel, the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I am always reminded, even in the midst of challenges, and he's going to pick up on these challenges in verse 8, I am reminded of whenever I'm going through challenges that the power will be of God and not from myself. It's not about me. It's not about me. Powers from God. And if God called you into ministry, he will protect you. If he called you to it, he will see you through it. And so this whole and not statement and not of ourselves, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by that because, because I know that it's nothing that I can do. It's all about God. I just need to be True to ministry, sincere and authentic. I need to do the things that Paul outlined in those first six verses and leave the rest to God. It's beautiful to know that, hey, I can rely on God and not myself. My wife, um, she woke me up screaming around 2.30 in the morning. This was some, some while ago. I was, I was just knocked out sleep at 2.30. But she's screaming and screaming my name, Tony, 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 Tony. So you know when you're in a deep sleep and you hear, in particular, your wife screaming your name, you know, so I jumped up. I'm all, you know, messed up. What's going on? What's going on? So I ran in there and she's screaming, oh my gosh, Tony, Tony. I thought somebody had broken the house. I didn't know what was going on. And I'm, I'm half asleep. And then <laughs> I said, what's wrong? And what's wrong? She says, there's a bug in the kitchen. Okay, I'm wiping my eyes. And I said, a bug. Oh, she said, a, a, a big water bug. So I took care of the water bug, went street ministry on the water bug. <laughs> and then I asked her later, I said, Ann, why didn't you take care of the water bug? Why did you call me? And you know what she told me? She said, first, they're ugly. This is what she told me. 
She said, I was scared. They're ugly. They're big. And they can fly on you. So I called you. And I will call you again if another one gets in. That's what she told me. So in essence, what she was saying is that, hey, if there's a water bug that gets in the house and it's big and it's bad and it's ugly and it can fly on you, I'm going to call you. I'm not going to take care of it because you're here to take care of it. And I said that to say that, listen, sometimes stuff get into our, get into our house. Things get into our churches. Things get into our ministry. Big, bad bugs that can really make us afraid and we don't have to rely on ourselves. We can call on God, and God can handle the big, bad things. Oh, listen, and not from ourselves. And then what Paul does is I want to bring your attention to this here. I want you to be encouraged by the but not statements. We saw this one and not statement in the context of, of the treasure in earth and vessels, but then be encouraged by the but not statements in verses 8 and 9. He says, we are afflicted in every way, afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Oh, how this has blessed my heart over the years. The word afflicted can mean that we're, we're crowded, if you will, by trials. Crowded by trials. You know, have you ever been um, just, just crowded in, it's almost a picture of a person being blitzed, <laughs> blitzed with tribulations, blitzed with trials. If you're preaching the glorious gospel, the treasure, you know, we have the treasure in earthen vessels, and if we're, we're doing what God has called us to do, it is going to invite challenges. It will. It will invite some challenges. We, we, afflicted means we can be squeezed by, by the, 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 the haters in life and the troublemakers of life. Paul says, listen, we are afflicted in every way. Trials, tribulations, we live in a culture that is, is anti-Christian. And we live in a culture where if you preach the word of God or teach the word of God and do your best to spread the word of God, you can be what they call canceled. And let me say parenthetically to all the preachers and all those who will be pastoring churches, never back down from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Always be true to the word of God. Be true to the gospel no matter what folks are saying in the culture. Stand and preach the word in season and out of season. He says we are afflicted, but not crushed. He is basically saying you will not be left without having a way out. Not crushed. I wanted to bring a clip of the of a football player who was blitzed. And I mean, when you look at this blitz, they were all coming and they, they were grabbing on to the football player and somehow he got out. We could be blitzed in ministry by some very bad things. But Paul says, you know what? 
afflicted in every way, but I'm not crushed. I'm not crushed. I'm not going to be cornered to a point where I just have no way out. And I've seen this in ministry. I've seen the affliction. Then what else does he say here? He says, again, hey, perplexed, <laughs> perplexed. Uh, uh, this this can, can, can be interpreted, you know, baffled or, or you know, I, what kind of decision do I need to make in light of the struggle and the challenges that I have going on? Sometimes ministry can be confusing as well. He says, listen, we're perplexed, but what? What did he say there? But not despairing or not driven to despair. But ministry can be perplexing. David Garland says it this way. He says that, that, that we're stressed but not stressed out. <laughs> stressed but not stressed out in the context of ministry. I can't tell you how many times I've had stress in ministry. Even when it could, listen, my first, um, my first um, pastorate, as I mentioned, Mount Zion Baptist Church in Brownwood, Texas, I was, you know, so excited to preach the word of God. And I, in fact, I would drive two hours and 15 minutes one way from Brownwood to the campus here um, to work on my, my, my MDiv. I was driving two hours, 15 minutes one way to, to get to the campus or however long that, that took. I remember um, those days. And um, I, I was so excited to, to pastor. And I haven't had a, really a, a lot of experience, you know, um, pastoring or preaching. And I preached at Mount Zion for about three or four months and um, predominantly African-American church. And if you've been to the African-American church, um, you know, especially back in the 80s, that would have been 87, 88. You know, a lot of our, our sisters in the church, they would wear hats. And um, when it was warm in the church, they would have fans and they would, you know, fan. And so I'm preaching, doing the best I can and, you know, I, I, I'm preaching, and this lady, um, she's probably about 80 years old at the time, she came up to me after one of the um, services, and she said, Pastor Matthews, you know, um, you know you're young, and I, I love your preaching, but I want you to hear this. And she gave me a tape. And okay, I said, all right. So I went home. I lived in the parsonage. I walked a couple of steps to the house, and I told my wife, you know, um, the sister gave me this tape, and she wants me to listen to it, and I guess she's implying that this is what I need to be doing. I put the tape in, and it was a sermon by C.L. Franklin. C.L. Franklin may not um, mean anything to you, but he was the father of Aretha Franklin, the great singer Aretha Franklin. He was a pastor and a, 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 one of the most popular African-American pastors um, in the country at that time. And uh, I listened to the tape, and he had the gift of, um, during the coda of the message, the ending, the conclusion of the message, his, he would begin his rhythm and his climax, and in the African-American community, we call it hooping. Mm. (laughs) 
And I said to myself, oh, is this what I'm supposed to do? I got the tape. I listened to it. And um, I said, okay, listen, um, I, you know, I, was, I, was, I got a little discouraged because I said, oh, she doesn't like my preaching. She thinks I need to preach like this. So let me go ahead and try to do that. So I practiced the whole week. And Lord, it said, I, I, I was practicing. And I said, when Sunday comes, I'm going to be ready. Got to the pulpit Sunday, and I started preaching. I'm 10 minutes within the message. And then I began to, to, to get my rhythm on, and it started off okay. But then halfway up, midway, when I was really trying to really go and get it, I got stuck. I sounded like a screaming cat. I couldn't go up and I couldn't go down. And then the little lady in the congregation, I saw her. She, her head was down. And she was fanning. She couldn't even look my way. And after the service, she came up to me and she said, can I have my tape back? But listen, in ministry, in ministry, and listen, that was a confusing time for me. Who am I in ministry? Who is Tony Matthews? You know what? What gifts, what talents has the Lord given me? And I want to encourage every young preacher here, be yourself. You know what, God? No one can, can bless you like the Lord. You don't have to try to be like anyone else. Be yourself. Because when you try to be someone else, and when you try to do ministry the way other folks do ministry, it will leave you confused and baffled, and you may be met with some decisions that you just don't know what to do with. But guess what? Paul said this. He says, we are perplexed, but not despairing, but not despairing. As, as Garland says, stressed, but not stressed out. Ministry, many facets of ministry can leave you stressed, but not stressed out. And I'm glad of that. What else did he say here? He says, listen, <laughs> we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken. Persecuted but not forsaken. Be encouraged. Be encouraged because, you know what, as I mentioned earlier, there's no way we can be true to the gospel message and true to the cause of Christ in the culture that we live in. And I don't need to pull things up. Just, just look at what's happening in our country alone. All of the stuff that is so anti-biblical, we don't know if, if a man is a man or if a woman is a woman. It's all kinds of stuff. I could just name the list. And our young pastors, you have to preach the word of God. And sometimes you will be met with persecution, with conflict. Paul was no stranger to it. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 11, beginning with verse 23. Or 24, he says, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on the frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. 
I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. I particularly like that after all of the challenges he mentioned, he says he has the pressure of the concern of the church. He says this, though, we will not be forsaken. We won't be abandoned. Never be abandoned. God will be with you because he loves you. And then he says, he says this here. Listen, we are, we are persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. I like these but nots, but not destroyed. Struck down but not destroyed. Paul was a testimony. You will have challenges in ministry. And, and listen, if we pan out even more, there, there's, there, there's a couple of do-nots as well because he starts the chapter, verse 1 saying, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. And in verse 16, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. And he talks about, you know, not losing heart, basically staying bold. Basically, don't be timid. Stay true to your calling. And no matter what comes, be bold and courageous and share the gospel with people no matter what goes on. So you be encouraged. Keep your heads high. And know that God is able to bless you in the context of ministry. There's no greater, greater joy than to serve Christ in ministry. A few takeaways, then we're going. Always remember that we have the victory. We have the victory. Yes, we do. We always carry about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. We have the victory. You are victorious. Keep your head high. And a second takeaway, do not give up because my trials are, are building me, not breaking me. We are being built. Sometimes, and no one likes to go through trials and tribulations or hard challenges, but it's building you. I'm so glad. The Lord closed the door. I'm begging him, oh, Lord, deliver me from this. This must be wrong. It must be a mistake. I didn't know a thing. I went through the fire, and that was the will of God. And 30 years later, I was in the same church, loving people. Trials build us. And then finally, another takeaway do not let your soreness, S-O-R-E-N-E-S-S, do not let your soreness from ministry keep you from service in ministry. Sometimes we can say, I'm out of here. No. Too much pain. I'm too sore. Oh, listen. Don't let that keep you from service. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and he rose from the dead so that we can let folks know that they need him. You be encouraged for 
challenging times. May the Lord bless you.